Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you? I am doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Okay. So we're back to the topic of colic. Very, I know it's it's one of the uh, number one issues facing a lot of horse owners. And uh, for young horses, I, I remember the statistic, you know, any horse less than 20, this is the number one cause of their uh, fatality. So it's a big, big problem with horses. But today, very interesting topic. How do you care for your horses post-colic? Yeah, you know, the horse's digestive system is just not maybe the best design that you can possibly think of. So there's there's a <laughs> lot of things that can go wrong. And I know we've talked in the past about, you know, symptoms of colic, maybe some dietary preventative things we can do. But if you're in the situation where your horse has colic, what happens next is really what we're tackling today. And we'll talk about a couple different scenarios. The really basic, the horse just, you know, responds really well on farm and it's a quote unquote, no big deal colic to the horse who goes to the clinic, needs medical management all the way up to, I, I know what's, you know, a, a worst case scenario for a lot of people would be the horse who's had colic surgery and now it's coming home and you need to management just kind of what you can expect and some tips that we have on managing those transitions and diet after different colic episodes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it always boils back down to nutrition and, and I think talking about some of the causes of colic again to remind the listeners, but you just had to face this, didn't you? You you just I remember talking a couple months ago, uh, one of your horses came down with a bad colic, right? Yes, and I think this highlights one thing I want people to take away: you can do all the things to reduce your risk of colic in terms of horse management, dietary management, the exact diet you feed them. And unfortunately, sometimes it still happens. And, you know, this particular horse ended up in surgery, and we can talk a little bit about that as well. But it's it's one of those things that when you have horses at some point, even if you do everything by the book, you are going to experience colic. So thinking about it a little bit ahead of time and having a plan, some of those plans are the really practical stuff. Is the horse going to leave the farm? Am I going to take him to a referral center? If he goes to the referral center, is he a surgery candidate? Kind of thinking about all of that stuff ahead of time does make the whole process a lot less stressful because no matter what, it's a stressful experience when it's happening. Always. It always is. And you see them in so much pain and oh, all the colics I've seen. Yeah. You're going to run into it as a horse owner and, and you're right. Being prepared uh, is the best best course of action. And I just want to remind the listeners, we did talk about colic way back when in episode 18, because it is such an important topic. And I will say this caveat, most horses do recover from their colics just fine. So we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the surgical versus non-surgical. Nicole, just to kind of start this off, some of the causes of colic, maybe we can just do a quick review. You know, what's the the, the common types, or I guess you did allude to it uh, you know, what might cause one to have to go get surgery? So lots of different things can go wrong, but thinking about, we know there are specific management and nutritional situations that increase your risk of colic. And it doesn't mean that every horse managed in this way is going to colic. And again, you can 
manage them perfectly and they're still going to experience colic sometimes. That's just the reality of life. So some things we know that increase our risk of colic, uh, large grain meals, especially if they're very high in non-structural carbohydrates, dehydration. So if horse is not drinking well, it dramatically increases our risk of colic. Rapid feed changes. So this pertains both, and this is something we don't tend to think about, this pertains both to the concentrate portion of the diet, which I think as horse owners as a whole, we're pretty aware of and generally do a good job of making a slow transition when we change feeds. Also true when we talk about hay. So there's one study that actually looked at, you know, different risk factors. And basically what they're doing is they're looking backwards in time and they're giving the owners a survey and they're checking the boxes and saying, you know, which one of these applies to your horse. And then they run a bunch of statistics. And one thing that comes out is a horse has a significantly higher risk of colicking 14 days after an abrupt change in hay. That's something that's always really stood out to me because it is something that a lot of times you just get the new hay and then you just go ahead and feed it and that's your reality. And sometimes we don't think about the fact that those management changes sometimes take a long time to have that digestive upset that ends up causing issues down the road. Now, other things, anything that stresses a horse, um, transportation increases their risk, foaling increases their risk, Uh, you know, lots of different things because again, you know, they're just not a great design. Um, In terms of the things that can go wrong, it's pretty varied. So you can have ulcer issues in the stomach um, can present as colic symptoms because remember, colic is just abdominal pain. And one fascinating thing, I was at um, Equine Science a couple years ago, and they brought in a speaker from one of the referral centers. So this would be a large university where the surrounding veterinary community sends their surgical cases. And they looked at many years, like I think it was 20 or 30 years worth of data. And again, they run those statistics. And one of the things they find, and they showed some kind of neat videos of behavior of the horse. Then they told us what caused their colic symptoms. And a really fascinating thing is that the degree of pain the horse is exhibiting didn't necessarily correlate with the degree of severity of the type of colic. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind. But anyways, so you can have ulcer issues in the stomach, in the small intestine. Um, You can have things like inflammation. So that's enteritis that prevents good gut mobility. So things start slowing down. Uh, You can have impactions. They occur at multiple different places in the digestive tract, but the large colon is a really popular spot, if you will, a high risk of impaction just because of kind of how bendy and twisty things are. Then you also have things like displacement. So we have that large fermentation vat in the back end of the horse. And if they get gassy to a certain extent, sometimes things will actually float up and end up in the wrong spot. Um, Sometimes the horse kind of is able, if you get the gas to go down, things fall back in place. That doesn't always happen. So, so, you know, my particular horse had a right dorsal displacement. Uh, So basically the, he gassed up, things floated in a spot they couldn't be in. And unfortunately they weren't able to medically manage that. So they basically had to go in, uh, make an incision along his belly go and rearrange thing and stitch them back up. You know, in other cases, you're going to have things like resections and more significant uh, colic surgeries as well. 
Lipomas, um, more typical in older horses, you know, but can happen in other ages where, you know, basically they have a growth and then the digestive tract gets wrapped or blocked by that. So, I mean, so many different things that can go wrong and that's, you know, you have torsions and twists, like that's not even all the things that can go wrong. Um, but some of the most popular, if you will, when you look at percentage wise, uh, for example, you know, looking at some data that came out of, you know, the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. This is a little dated, but it's probably, you know, still pretty accurate. Large colon impactions account for the greatest proportion of your surgical colic cases, followed by large colon displacements, um, and then spasmodic colics and large colon volvulus. That's when things actually twist. So you do see a lot of things happening in the hindgut, uh, but certainly issues in the small intestine as well. <laughs> It's, and again, I, I think this this always highlights why, again, we do this podcast, we give these tips, what you should be feeding your horses, because like you said, trying to do the right things all the time may lead to colic, but at least owners, uh, I think we're more educated today than say maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And I do want to I, I jump in too with a little bit of statistics. You, you mentioned that study. I love that study because again, these were, like you said, referrals to the vet school and people taking these horses. So these were very bad cases of colic. And the good news was for the medical cases that were not surgical, close to 94% of the horses were discharged and went home and they were fine. So I don't want, I don't want the listeners out there to be freaking out. If my horse get col- gets colic, they're going to die. They have to be managed and the veterinarian needs to see them immediately. But So talking about surgical cases, and in this data, close to 74% of horses uh, made it to discharge. So still a greater proportion of them survived surgery. What goes on a little bit from, and and again, I think what we want to get to is, is recovery from colic. So like with your horse, I've sat through a couple of colic surgeries and I've seen the veterinarians at work and it, it it amazes me what's going on there. So Post-care, what can owners do? I guess we could break it down surgical, but also the medical cases. What should owners be doing? Sure. So let's start with, I mean, what you can generally expect. I think it's important to realize that there's a lot of different causes of colic, both in terms of medical management and surgical colics. So each situation is going to be a little bit different and how the horse responds to those is going to impact the course of care. And All of the initial stuff is going to be handled by your veterinary team. So, you know, let's say it's a situation where it's a medical management. Um, It's a non-surgical case. So you bring them to the vet hospital and they're managing them. So what that generally looks like is they're going to remove all feed. They're going to, you know, do a lot of different diagnostics to try to identify what specifically is causing that pain in the horse. Um, Is it something infectious? What part of the digestive tract is it occurring in? Things like that. They're going to monitor their hydration status. So a lot of times they're going to have IV fluids to make sure that they're hydrated appropriately. And then, you know, if it's something that doesn't require surgery, let's say it's an enteritis, so inflammation of the small intestine going to need for that to run its course. So they're going to medically manage that horse. They remove all of their feed. And then at a time that they decide it's appropriate, so gut mobility looks better, inflammation is going down, 
et cetera, et cetera, they're going to start slowly reintroducing feed. And exactly how that looks is going to vary. But, you know, a pretty general program would be the horse is going to start with just a handful of feed every four hours. It, It might be a senior feed. So, you know, something that's high in digestible fiber, it might be a handful of hay. And then every four hours, they're going to slowly get a little bit more feed up until the point that they're back on free choice hay. At that point, if they're stable, that's generally when they release the horse back to you, the owner. So we've resolved the underlying colic issue. We've got them through the initial refeeding because that's a period that's pretty delicate. Similarly, post-colic, the exact refeeding plan is going to vary depending on what exactly they had to go in and do, but it roughly looks the same as a horse who's been medically managed. They've withheld all feed for some certain duration of time, and then they're going to slowly reintroduce that feed. Again, either a handful of senior, maybe a handful of hay, slowly increase that over time until the horse is stable back on free choice hay in the hospital. So, All of that is something that's going to be managed by your veterinary team. And then they're going to send the horse home with you um, with some directions. Now, once they're home and you kind of take things back over, we can kind of talk about the considerations that are going to happen at that time. So depending on the horse's exact situation, you know, your veterinary team is going to give you some direction on when it's appropriate to start reintroducing concentrate. It might be a couple days. It might be a week or two. It's super dependent on exactly what is going on. But when they come home, they're going to be on free choice hay. So one of the first things you want to think about is, do I have free choice hay available? Is it possible for me to feed them something very similar to what they were getting at the vet hospital? In a perfect world, right, you'd be able to mix the two together, take a long time transitioning them over. I just told you that an abrupt change of hay increases your colic risk. You know, unfortunately, this is just kind of one of the realities of how we have to manage those horses. So, you know, you can definitely ask, you know, what type of hay are you feeding? It's probably a grass type hay. If you can source something pretty similar to feed them after they come home, that is fantastic. Main things that we're going to look for is a good quality hay that's free of mold, free of weeds, kind of any other things like that. So focusing on good quality, and particularly, we're going to want to make sure it's not overly mature. And we've talked about hay analysis in the past, but really what you're looking for is a hay that's soft. So something that's really stemmy, it's more difficult to digest. And remember, there's been a lot of stress on their GI system. Some types of colics will actually be exacerbated, by that really stemmy hay, kind of scratching on the hindgut, for example. So you're going to want a really soft hay that's easy for them to digest, good quality, and then you're going to feed that free choice generally when they come home. The one exception to that might be if we have a horse with right dorsal colitis, uh, which is inflammation in their colon. And those horses, we remove all long stem hay and just feed them a complete feed. So again, it's super variable depending on what's going on. But the majority of your colic cases, they're going to come home, you're going to feed them hay. And after an appropriate duration of time, it's going to vary depending on your case, we're going to start reintroducing some concentrate. The question becomes, do I put them back on the program they were on before? Or is that something that might have increased their colic risk? Or is there something that's more appropriate post-colic to feed that horse? You know, 
I sent a horse to the vet hospital, a body condition score of five, and he had a very difficult case. Um, He was there for several days before he actually required surgery, had some post-op complications. He came back and he'd lost a significant amount of weight. So in addition to kind of managing his GI tract, also needed to be mindful of the fact that he did need to gain weight. But at the same time, you don't want to push too hard and create more problems by feeding too much feed. So there's a lot of those different variables that go into this. Can you be in everybody's back pocket when that happens? Because that is so <laughs> complicated what's going on. Oh, you're right, though, because it is, it is very going to be dependable on the case and the type. Because I was thinking of your horse with the displacement. I'm trying to go back to my memory. It's been, I don't want to date myself, but it's been a while since I've seen a colic surgery and they were flushing out the gut, if I remember right. And I just, every case is different. One thing came up in my head while you were talking, and I don't know if this happened with your horse or not. Are you concerned about like the gut microbiome? Because like you said, eating hay, I know we've, we talked about that a few podcasts ago, Eating lots of fiber helps feed the, the right kind of bugs in the gut. So is there anything else? I, I You know, you laid it out perfectly, like, you know, feeding the right type of hay and then slowly introducing concentrate and then also look at uh, body condition score. But is there anything else you would do on top of that to, to help maybe, I'm just thinking like pre-probiotics or is there anything out there you would suggest to help the horse's transition? Well, Chris, I think you were in my back pocket during this process because, yes, that is a great suggestion. So while we're not going to reintroduce concentrate right away and, you know, tribute, we build the probiotics into the concentrate. So generally you don't need to add them separately. So in these cases, I do recommend we go ahead and add that probiotic right away. Um, So you can use a pelleted probiotic. um, So like Equifirm XL Top Dress. In, you know, this particular case, I used our advanced paste. It's a probiotic paste. It also has some trace minerals and vitamins. So it was a nice way to help replenish those, even though he wasn't back on feed. Um, Yes. So that's absolutely a good idea to help support that because, you know, we're we're still learning a lot about the microbiome. um, But from what we do know, it takes weeks to fully reestablish those populations and normalize them. And they've undergone so much stress. So that's absolutely a very valid strategy to help support horses during that change. Yeah, I could just imagine like, yeah, you know, all the we talked about the lactic acid buildup in the, in the hind gut and acidosis and just, you know, this, these poor horses are already gone through enough. You know, what can we do to, to transition them back to a, a, a healthy life, right? So yeah. they, they aren't having a bouts of colic. Yep. And, and another added complication is sometimes there's going to be antibiotics on board um, as well. And those play a very important role in the recovery process, but we know they also stress the digestive tract as well. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those cases where, yeah, I would definitely recommend some added probiotic support during that period. So let's say now we've, we've gotten past medical managed or, um, our colic surgery horse has come home. We've gone through, we've got them back on, Hey, we've added our probiotic. Now it's time to choose the concentrate. And, you know, we talked about the fact that it it definitely varies. Um, Some general rule of thumbs 
that I, you know, generally like to think about something lower in non-structural carbohydrates. So we're certainly going to stay away from our whole grains, corn, oats, barley. Those are very high in sugar and starch. We know those disrupt the digestive tract, especially when fed in large quantities. Some pellets can be pretty high NSC as well and may not be appropriate. So I'm going to look for something that's lower in non-structural carbohydrates, Definitely less than 20%, maybe even lower than that. Depends a little bit on the situation. And I'm going to want it to supply really good quality fiber. So fiber that's above 15% crude fiber coming from things like beet pulp, soy hulls, dehydrated alfalfa meal. I'm going to avoid feeds that bring in their fiber from things like peanut hulls or oat hulls or rice hulls because those simply just aren't digestible. So Oftentimes, the type of feed that I am describing is called a senior feed, and it'll have senior in the name. It doesn't always, though. Um, Colmanese pellet is one that I very, very commonly recommend for our colic-prone horse, um, and particularly after colic episodes. Um, It doesn't have senior in the name, but it technically can be used as a senior feed, so that's a great option. Uh, For my guy, um, I fed senior sport because... Not only did we need to reintroduce concentrate to get vitamins, minerals, amino acids in him, but he also needed to gain quite a bit of weight, but I wanted to keep meal size small. So going from Calmanese, which is 8% fat, to Senior Sport, which is 10% fat, allows me to get more calories into any given meal while still being pretty easy on the digestive system by keeping those meals small. So those are some things that I'm going to think about. Um, Those aren't the only two examples of feeds, even within our line, that would be appropriate, but two really common ones. If your horse is a super easy keeper, doesn't need to gain weight, just look at Essential K. I mean, there's a lot of different directions that this can go. But big picture, your super sticky sweet feeds, your traditional grains are just not what I would recommend we look at for those colic-prone horses. Whether we're talking about those more significant colic cases, the medically managed ones, the colic surgeries, or even your horse who has the simple colic where, you know, your vet comes out, gives them some banamine, maybe a little bit of sedation to kind of help calm everything down. They might tube them. The horse recovers fine. Those horses go back to their normal diet really quickly, usually 12 to 24 hours for simple colic cases. But certainly doesn't hurt to look at your overall program and see, is this increasing the risk of reoccurrence? Um, And those same sort of lower NSC, good quality fiber, things that are appropriate for their caloric needs so we can keep meal sizes smaller. Something I want to think about with honestly every horse, but for sure with a horse who has a history of those types of digestive upsets. Well, I I just want to tell the listeners, you can have Nicole in your back pocket or the tribute team. There's links always in the show notes. If, if you are dealing with colic and you don't have to do this alone, you know, obviously speak to your veterinarian, always, always follow their advice. But if you need some nutritional advice, that link is always in our show notes where you can get a free evaluation of your feeding plan, anything to, to help your horses recover from colic. Quick final question, Nicole, for you, constant comfort. I, I just, I know you helped design that product to help during stressful situations. Would this be a time where you might want to look at something like that to help them through? Absolutely. So my horses, you know, post-surgery, 
probiotics when he first came home, slow reintroduction of senior sport, uh, with added constant comfort because that hits my probiotic requirements, plus gives extra stomach support. And, you know, his particular issues were not in his stomach, but it's a stressful event. We're on stall rest, managing that incision. We definitely know that increases our risk of ulcers just because of all those things. So we want to make sure we have that extra stomach support on board. So I think that's definitely something we can look at and, you know, see if it'd be appropriate. But I can't think of many cases, honestly, where it would not be an appropriate part of our long-term management in these situations. And one final thing um, I definitely want to point out. I'm glad you brought up the nutritional consults. We're happy to do that. You know, we're also happy to talk directly with your vet as well. I I do quite a bit of consulting um, with veterinarians, particularly on these really tricky cases where we need to be really mindful, you know, coming out of something like a colic surgery of exactly what their program looks like. Um, So, you know, we definitely encourage you to reach out, but I just want to put out there, we're also happy to work directly with your veterinarian as well, whatever's most appropriate to make sure your horse has the best recovery possible. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's free too. So, you know, Nicole's not going to charge you a consulting rate at all. <laughs> well, I think we'll leave it at there. So thank you so much, Nicole. I mean, it's it's a big issue. And, and if you have any questions or any topics surrounding colic or any other medical issue with your horse, uh, please reach out to us on Instagram, on Facebook. Again, the contact us link is in the show notes. Thank you so much, Nicole, for that today. I know you've been going through this the last couple of months. It's always good to hear it straight from the horse's mouth or the horse owner's mouth. Um, So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chris.